Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Welcome to the Ohio when it is Wednesday, February 24th. Uh, Brandon, Craig, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Good. How are you? Good. Hey, I was thinking about this. And hey, let's break some in the air for a second. I'd love to have some type of a contest or even just that people want to submit their own openings. Like it doesn't have to be a song, but like an intro. Like, hey, you're listening to Ohio with Chris, Brandon, and Craig. How about that? <laughs> But we got to put the call out there. It wouldn't be that yeah. hard, right? No. Yeah, I would think someone would be interested. Yeah, and, and maybe we could hear from family members. You know, like, you know, Brandon's mom, Craig's mom, you know, my mom. You know, hey. Yeah. We don't have to get celebrities. I, I, I was thinking about that. I mean, the 30-second intro is a nice way of just clearing my head a little bit, you know, getting ready for a show. But we need to freshen up. We need something new. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about that. Too much brainstorming. Too busy of a week already. Um, hey, before we get started, you know, I'd like to promo some stuff up top. Uh, you know, our sponsors, um, Chase Bank, uh, Dropbox, uh, Manly Man Company. The links are all there. Check them out. Subscribe to our podcast. Um, you know, you're hearing a lot of good things about subscriptions recently. I've broken it down on our podcast by service. So if you've got Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, you can click on that link. And you can go right to the page that you have that you can subscribe to that service. And then also today, if you like uh, Ohio News, it's a good day for check out the interviews on the podcast. We've already uploaded Max Philby, uh, first time guest on the show from Columbus Dispatch. Uh, guys, we wrote a really good article the other day about why cases are dropping in Ohio. We've talked about that a couple times. Uh, he gave his take on what's going on. And he's got a new healthcare newsletter on Substack. Have you guys checked out Substack yet? No. I, I'm intrigued. I, it, it's kind of like a free way that people can sign up. You do a newsletter. You share links. You can even make it a paid option. I, I know. It, it's interesting. Um, but uh, Max is sharing some links from healthcare things he cares about. And he was saying, hey, I want to stop the misinformation out there. So we've got a link to it. Um, subscribe. It's free. Nothing wrong with that. And we also talked to Jake Zuckerman uh, from Ohio Capital Journal. Uh, Jake filled us in on some stuff about some of the other misinformation going on in Columbia, uh, around Ohio. Um, he was telling me at Case Western Reserve University, it's up in the Cleveland area, 
there is this lady who is spreading misinformation. She doesn't like masks and everything. And it's kind of flying in the face of the research that Case Western's doing, and even flying in the face of some of the rules that Case Western sets. So it's kind of an interesting conundrum up there, too. And then he also talked on YouTube. Um, YouTube had to pretty much pull down a video of Ohio House hearing because a lot of the misinformation was going out there around COVID. So lots of good information. Check out on your own. A bunch of good stuff. Um, Brandon Craig, and as always, there's a lot of stuff going on in Ohio, too. Um, we talked a lot about COVID, but I wanted to start today. Uh, dispatch, uh, Columbus Dispatch did a good uh, articles lately on police shootings. And obviously, it's sad. It's awful what's going on. I saw a disturbing story that I posted late last night talking about how Franklin County, where Columbus is at, where we're based out of, has one of the highest rates of fatal police shootings, not just in Ohio, but the country. Now, Brandon, we've talked about this over the past couple weeks. There's been two recently, uh, one where the guy had the officer's been charged with murder. There's another one where they just say, hey, the investigation's going on. But you have no idea what's happening or if there's any charges upcoming. Um, you know, Brandon, we know there's a problem in Columbus. I'm hoping this study kind of just is a wake-up call to say, hey, maybe something more needs done down here. What do you think? Well, after um, all the protests we've had in downtown last year in Colum downtown Columbus, if that wasn't a wake-up call, I'm doubting a, a study is a wake-up call. Right. Um, you know, it's just, it's always, it's, it's something that's going to be continuously in the conversation and something that um, we're going to be talking about for a long time, I would hope. Um, and hopefully as the conversation continues, uh, reforms and, and subtle tweaks <clears throat> may occur along the way. Um, everyone's on alert now. Um, and it's not to say that all these police shootings were unjustified or not. I mean, they're being investigated and they're maybe not enough details are put out, but, um, um, but yeah, this is, it's, it, you know, it's, it, this is good to have this kind of study out there and it's good to have, um, good to see the conversation continue to go, um, going forward and hopefully in the years to come, um, We'll see. We'll hopefully see improvement, um, but it'll, there's still a lot of questions of like what what kind of how reforms will shape up. Um, we definitely have seen a lot of big talk across the nation about um, you know what that kind of reform will look like on the extreme side, the middle, and the in the center, and on, on and I guess nothing on the right. But um, well, you know, I'm, I'm it's it's good that just bottom line again, good to have this conversation. Yeah, and Craig, and again, we're looking at numbers here. This isn't some political, you know, appeal or anything. Um, looking at this is bad story, Craig. We've got Franklin County is home to one-fifth of the state's black population, but the county accounts for one-third of the deaths of African-Americans shot by law enforcement in Ohio. And we look at Cuyahoga County, and... You know, look at Tamir Rice. I mean, Cleveland has had some issues in the past with, you know, police shootings as well. Well, Cuyahoga County is 25% black. It counts 16% of African-Americans fairly shot by law enforcement. And you look at Cincinnati, which is our province too, but they're 14% black by population, 
but they only account for 11% of African-Americans fairly shot by law enforcement. So, you know, the same thing, Franklin County, there's a big difference when you look at that between Franklin, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. It's kind of eye Yeah, it really is. It's just it's jarring to see these numbers and to see how many Franklin County now, like Brandon said, not all the shootings were unjustified and they're still being investigated, but it's just jarring to see that number of, you know, shootings over the course of, I think they had the study from, you know, at least 2015, um, they brought out some numbers. It's just, it's just jarring to see those numbers and to, to see the disparity that you're, you know, that the numbers bear out and you wonder if there's training issues. I mean, what's, what's really at, at play here? What's the issue? Is it just because Columbus is a, you know, a, a bigger city than, you know, these other cities now, and it's growing at a faster rate, or is it just training issues with use of force? I mean, you just kind of wonder what the, the determining factor is, because this is really a large disparity than maybe that you would expect uh, for Franklin County. Yeah, definitely. And Brandon, uh, they quoted uh, Rick Hodges, and uh, for those who don't know him, he's the former director of the Ohio Department of Health, um, he is currently with the Ohio Alliance for Innovation of Population Health. So this is Ohio guy. They didn't like go to DC or New York and say, hey, guess what's going on in Ohio? Um, I, I thought these quotes were fascinating here. Um, he talks about, uh, hang on a second, I just lost the quote that I was going to talk about. Okay, he's like, you look at Columbus and Cleveland, two very similar cities, but two very different stories. What's the difference? You can't explain it by blaming the black community or that police are black or bad cops or people. And then he goes on uh, to say, you have to ask yourself, what are the dynamics in that community? And what's going on in the community that creates that situation? Uh, you know, Craig lives up in the northwest part of Ohio. Brandon, you and I live in Columbus. Um, you and I are very pro-Columbus. Um, one of the things that I enjoy about Columbus is the diversity. Um, you know, there's a huge immigrant population down there, down here. I think we like to describe it as a diverse community, and I think Columbus likes to market itself as a diverse community. But it seems that in some cases we're not thinking very diversely, I guess. Do you get that feeling, or is it maybe just in this aspect of how people of color are treated by Columbus? It kind of I would say that in Columbus, it's very easy to be to find yourself in your own bubble. Um, Columbus is a very strange city in a, in some ways. Um, you know, with the with the way its suburbs are laid out, um, but also in 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 the inner city, the inner city you can find yourself in a bubble too. Um, yeah. Different pockets of different neighborhoods, and you know, it, it's it's <clears> why I mean. And not necessarily, not just on a racial diet level, it's also you have, you know, cities always str struggling with itself as a, the college town versus something more than just a college town. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I grew up in Northland, Northland area of Columbus. Um, and, um, you know, it's kind of very far from Ohio State in, in a sense. Far, but not far. But, you know, it's not like, um, that college town feel trans transfers itself up to the Northland area. It's yeah. just feels like a very good residential area. Um, also, I would just say though that um, um, that um, 
that I, I grew as I said, I've grown up growing up in the Northland area. And I think where you do feel the, the uh, where you kind of do where for me as someone growing up in that area where you kind of burst your bubble in a, in a sense is when you when I went to public schools more um, it was like I think three quarters black attended uh, middle, uh, middle uh, my middle school I think I'm not I think it felt a little more diverse I mean and as a elementary student you don't really pay attention to race but it felt more diverse um, or not even or felt didn't really notice it in elementary school but in middle school it was very it was predominantly black, and um, what really got my eyes awoken is I, I was a kid who attended a church out in the suburbs of Westerville, the Westerville suburb, and it was predominantly white, and it just, the dichotomy was just striking to me. I, just looking around, and just like, wow, what's going on here? Um, and um, I would say what, so I had a lot of friends in the Westerville suburb. And I would say when I went to a volleyball game up at Westerville North High School, or West, I think actually, excuse me, Westerville Central, it's their newest facility. Beautiful campus, beautiful school. And here are a lot of kids in the city, in the city schools. We were, they were still learning out of this old middle school building that's probably been around since the <clears throat> 60s or 70s or whatever. Um, and of course, ironically, that middle school is now no more. It's got torn down and replaced with a beautiful uh school for immersion spanish speaking students i believe or spanish immersion academy um i i i feel like these um this this kind of story you know with the it, on this on a very subsurface level it's all goes back to investments socioeconomic impacts um and that um i'm sure it has some works its way up as well into the um issue of policing yeah well, it, your bubble thing. Before I moved to Columbus, if you said that, I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? I don't understand the bubble thing. But I definitely see it happening. Um, I live in the Norfolk area right now, where Brandon grew up. And the church we attend, now honestly, we're doing online church now because of COVID. There's way too much stuff going on for us to be in person. But when we've gone to church pre COVID, you know, we drive 15 minutes. 15 minutes. We're not driving two hours or way out of the way to church up in the players area. Well, they were talking about kind of expanding into the Norfolk area. And it was interesting. That church, it attracts people from all of Columbus, but there's a lot of people from the players area north, if you know what I mean. Well, when they came down to Norfolk, uh, we did this walk. We were looking around the neighborhood, just thinking about possibilities and everything. There was a lot of people who had never been to that area. And what's Brandon, you know, since you know the area, it stunned me because that's Morse Road. I mean, that's one of the main roads in Columbus. It's not like we're saying, hey, let's go to a, uh, you know, gang-infested area in downtown Columbus. I mean, we were talking Morse Road where there's tons of traffic. It's right by Easton Mall, one of the largest malls in Columbus. And I'm not saying now criticism for the church or anything, I think it goes directly to your point. We live in bubbles where, you know, there's some areas that we, we just don't go into, period. And I don't know if it's a race concern or just other things, but I think it's just, you know, we won't live in our area and, and we don't want to get out there, you know? Yeah, I think partly, it, I mean, it doesn't help with the fact that Columbus uh, particularly lacks a, a public transit rail system. Yeah. Um, so, jealous of any other city that has some sort of, I think Cincinnati has like some sort of trolley system. I'm not sure. 
Craig, I don't know if you've been in Cleveland enough to know if what kind of system they might have, but um, um, yeah, but, they have like a RTA or whatever. It's uh, like a train system. Um, yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> well, I'll take it, but I I know I, you're, you're in Fremont, but but you know I just well, uh, our, our friends at Code would be like, hey, we have the Code bus system. Hey, it's better than nothing, but I gotta tell you, code is confusing. You have to figure out the busings. I mean, even for something as simple as I'm going from Easton downtown to work, you know, you, you gotta make sure, you know, there's about four different ways of getting there. You gotta make sure you get off at the right time. Uh, I remember the first day I went downtown, I was, I didn't get off the right bus stop. And I literally had to walk six blocks to downtown. To get to work, and I, I think it was in the middle of winter. It was cold that day. I, I'm not sure exactly what month it was, but it was cold. So, yeah, it was a little frustrating. Yeah, I'm with you, Brent. Now the cost would be astronomical, I'm sure. But man, if we can get that railway system. But Craig, I don't know if you've used the train in, in Cleveland, but no. I mean, there's a, you know, really where I see it is um, if you're going to. If you're going towards Cleveland, there's like an RTA um, hub, like outside yeah. of the city where you can go if you want to like go to an Indians game or you know, I think it's mostly. I'm not saying it's not used for anything other than that, but they do have it like on the outskirts um, in the suburbs, and then you can kind of take it in. So, kind of one of those things where you can park out there and be in the suburbs, and then take the rail system in to the city actually, which is you know probably you know convenient for people that commute to Cleveland for work or whatever it may be where they don't want to drive into city you know the city and you know try to you know go through the whole race of trying to park everybody you know try to race everybody to a parking spot and things like that I, I grew up in Canton area uh, you know you move out and I got a job up in the Cleveland area at News Herald and I lived kind of in the east eastern suburbs of Cleveland like Bedford area I'm not sure if anybody knows where that's at but but we went to, we would get tickets. It, it was good old days at work where they used to give sports tickets out a lot. So I got a lot of um, Cavs and Indians tickets. I got to get some of the games from work. I just, as a fan, I even to cover it. And it was great because you went to RTA, you parked your car there, you hopped the train, cost you a buck or two, and you went downtown to watch the game. And, you know, even back then, parking, you know, was what, 10, 15 bucks at least. Now it's a twenty to thirty bucks, and hey, you save money. And does it take a little bit longer? Yeah, but it's a lot better spending a buck or two a person than you know the twenty thirty bucks. You know. So. All right. Well, yeah. But back to what we're originally talking about. Yeah, I, you're right, Brandon. If we have police protests and everything else, and they still haven't come to a conclusion on chasing uh, meat, you know, yeah, this study that got appeared in the dispatch. I'm sure the Columbus police force is going to wake up today and say, oh, wow, we have a problem just based on you know, a story that appeared today in the paper. But I'm hoping that it's another step in starting this process to get things going right. And, you know, we've talked to Danae King from the uh, Columbus Dispatch. There's a lot of uh, clergy, downtown people are very interested in the next police chief hire. And I'll be interested to see what direction they go. I mean, I think that's a big unanswered question. And it'll be interesting to see what the future is, what happens here. Um, let's move on. Uh, Brandon, you're from, well, you're not from the Yankee area, but you spent some time working up there, and I spent some time working up there, too. 
fracking was a big issue up in Ohio, especially on the East Coast, well, not East Coast, the Eastern side of Ohio, up into Youngstown. Brent and I got myself in trouble one day up there. Um, there was an earthquake in California where they have video of it on YouTube. It was at a baseball game, and the crowd was cheering at the end of the earthquake. They were like, man, this is cool. This is us. This is part of us. And I shared that story in Youngstown. I was like, is this great? We can be part of that. You know, if there's more earthquakes in Ohio, hey, it unites us together. It's like California. It's part of who we are and everything. People in Youngstown did not like the idea at all. But, you know, we had fracking. I, I don't know how long it's been a thing here in Ohio. Like 10, 15 years, maybe? Um, yeah, 10, 10 to 15 years, I would say probably, probably in the, somewhere in the mid aughts, I would, I would wager maybe. I mean, the, the issue, I think well, Youngstown was kind of at the very tip of the, um, fracking boom, uh, era in terms of the region. Um, it didn't, um, I think, um, the, it's re it's, it's, it's resource of oil. I think it's, it's a little hard. Technology wasn't right where it needed to be when I was there to extract the oil at a, uh, uh, costs. What's the I know the opposite of cost prohibitive. <laughs> you know yeah. it, it was a little more cost prohibitive still. But Youngstown still kind of benefited from the residue of the of the fracking boom. I think it had some some companies that um, supplied supplied parts for that industry. I think that, that fortunately those companies I think came to a halt either because of um, maybe before the pandemic or because of the pandemic. But um, um, maybe even with uh, General Motors leaving that uh, plant, leaving the area, it didn't help either. But um, yeah, it, it kind of was a nice bit of a stimulus for that region, that Northeast Ohio borderline region of Ohio. Um, I think there are still some investments going on there, but um, it's not, I don't think it's panning out as, uh, from what I'm hearing uh, based on expectations from year, a few years back. Well, it's like anything else to report you can read two different ways. And to back up just a second, if you're out there going, what are they talking about with fracking? Um, you know, fracking is a, a drilling, you know, procedure. You're drilling, oil, you know, you're drilling for oil, you're drilling for gas. And the idea is if you can get oil and gas, obviously there's a ton of money that goes in. The problem with fracking is there's some environmental effects, including the possibility of more earthquakes. And you've seen that where, yeah, there's not a humongous fault lines near Youngstown and East Side, but there's been a little bit more earthquake activity than was before. And uh, the Columbus Dispatch had a report today uh, talking about there was a study which said, hey, you know, there is 90%, uh, it is bringing in, you know, more jobs and more people into the area, but it's not giving off the promise that they were projecting when it first happened. Uh, because like a decade earlier, they were saying, you know, it was going to mean billions and billions and billions of, of jobs. But overall, they're saying that even though fracking is a big part of what's going on over there, and they're still investing into it, uh, this report is saying, hey, these counties are seeing declines in jobs, population, and income. Um, Craig, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I don't really know if it's a surprise or not to many. I just always feel like when you when you're drilling for things or when you're seeking out, you know, resources that the earth gives you that it, at some point it either runs out or it's not maybe as bountiful as you anticipate and maybe that's the case here and you know, obviously when you 
when you make a discovery or have an idea that you can, you know, create jobs like this and, and have an industry like this in an area in Ohio, you, you get excited for the opportunity to, to maybe increase the wealth of that area. But, you know, clearly it doesn't seem to be as bountiful as, you know, was anticipated. And now you kind of wonder, you know, what the future will hold too with, you know, some of President Biden's uh, policies on fracking and some of his comments that he's made on fracking. So you just wonder if this is, you know, maybe a nail in the coffin type situation here for the uh, Ohio fracking areas. Brent, I'm seeing here in the story, they're saying that people got five to $7,000 an acre to lease their property. So I'm assuming a lease is like every year, right? I and mean, we don't know, but the lease is kind of like an annual thing. I'm not sure. Well, I have an acre and a half, and I'm not pro fracking necessarily. But man, if I can get five to seven thousand a year, I want oil thing in my yard. I mean, I'm not sure if I have like oil and gas down there, but is it worth it? How big's your property, Brandon? Oh, my property, probably. Yeah. I, oh man, Chris, you're took your quizzing me at this early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I have to go on the auditor's site. <laughs> I don't know. Probably whatever is the standard for a, a Cape Cod house, that bit of land that it stands on. But um, and yeah. I, I'm probably going to get the wrong measurement. Craig's going to call me out. Says like, <laughs> I, I'm guessing. I mean, I mean, the big thing would be not just your whole house, but what the backyard looks like. You know what I mean? So, so My backyard's really small. Yeah. So maybe you got half acre in the backyard. So. Yeah. And would be worth thirty five hundred a year. I'll tell you. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of pe- folks putting out mineral, selling their mineral mineral rights. Um, I've had family who have done that too. Um, pretty straightforward process. I haven't really heard too much, too many complaints from that that perspective. But um, um, there's a lot of. I'm sure there's a lot of weird implications with that, but. Uh, mostly with the frack, the fracking, the bigger old picture of the fracking story in Ohio, and is that um, is it is it productive as we expected? Or I mean, you know, oils, oil wasn't re- oil wasn't really doing as well. I mean, we're actually drowning in more natural gas. Actually, I when I was up there, folks have said Ohio is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. That's how much we were producing. So. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm so. It's been so long since I really covered um, natural uh, the oil, the energy industry. So it's kind of hard to say, like, you know, how that natural gas is being taken advantage of, or you know, it's just probably it's not not as valuable as oil. But in terms of since we have so much supply, but man, I think about the poor folks in Texas where um, they're struggling just to get natural gas going to help generate power for them, but. Um, it just seems like, again, one of those bigger pictures of as our energy um, um, sector is it does it work efficiently or throughout the um, um, the entire country? And it's represented down there in this questionable report saying, you know, like with unemployment, you know, sometimes if, if there's people who aren't looking for jobs, you know, maybe they found a job or maybe they just search themselves out of their workforce. So he was talking about it, saying, hey, the report's not necessarily misleading, but doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And I think, too, 
I don't know. I was covering um, news in Maslin when they were talking about bringing Indian consumer. And, you know, there were problems in the world. There are like millions of people coming to this area. And we'll have an airport in Maslin. And it'll be fantastic. And everything will happen. And all these bands will come from around the country. And I think anytime you try to pitch something to the area, you're not necessarily lying to the area, but you're giving really broad promises. Like, you know, you're not just going to say, hey, it's going to boost the economy and probably have some more jobs than you had in the past. It's like, dang, you know, it's going to be Beverly Hillbillies for everyone in the area. You're all going to California and live in a mansion. And I think that's part of what has led to the confusion where it's never as bad as it seems, it's never as good as it seems. And I think there are just a lot of lofty promises. And, and, you know, the guy defending the area is probably right, you know. But to the other people's points, then why are you making all the promises that may never have come true? I, I, I kind of look at it in two different ways. And I don't know. I, I get concerned about the environmental effects. I'll be honest, I'm not environmentalist, so I don't know for sure exactly what's going on. But, yeah, I'm all for a good economy, but yeah, you got to protect the environment at the same time. So it's tough. Hey, a couple of things I want to bring up before we close for the day. Um, kind of sad news yesterday. Tiger Woods, uh, you know, the famous golfer, got in a, a wreck in Los Angeles. Um, I'll tell you, when I saw the video first, and, you know, working with Gannett, obviously we were all over this, I was freaked out a little bit, thinking, man, he might be dead. I mean, the, the car looked really messed up, uh, but thankfully he's alive. Uh, there's seen, he's had a lot of leg injuries, I guess. Uh, there's some reports he could have broken both legs. Uh, I heard another report that he shattered an ankle. Kind of sad. Um, you know, Tiger Woods is probably, uh, probably make an argument for Jack Nicklaus, but probably one of the best golfers that have ever played. Uh, I put together a gallery. There's a link to it in our notes. Um, he went crazy in Ohio. Um, there's two big golf tournaments in Ohio. One, the old Firestone, uh, the tournament playing Firestone up in the Akron area. He won that eight times. And if you think about it, there's always, what, 60 to 100 golfers at a tournament. To win a tournament like that, I mean, you got to be doing something right. And then the big memorial tournament here in the Columbus area, he's won that five times. So, most importantly, we're, we're glad he's okay. It, it, it's sad, though. I, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I mean, I'm sure this is going to greatly impact his career, and this might be the last time we see him playing professional golf. It's kind of wild stuff with it. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, especially Tiger Woods has had some, so many issues with back, back, back at pain, um, from what I understand, and had to rely on some medication to get through that, and and it kind of delayed his put him on a hiatus for golf for a while so it's just to see him finally come back to golf and then have this it's really tragic i mean this is just it's i'm not saying this i say this cynically and just kind of and more like you know sad ironic it's almost the tiger woods biopic is going to be red meat sauteed just ready hollywood would be just ripping to have this story when it, when they decide to go for it, but this is it's writing itself at this point. It's just stop. Well, um, they, let they Tiger, just, let can Tiger just retire peacefully? Um, you know, what's that? Next? Did HBO have a doc on him? Yeah, maybe a documentary. Yeah, I mean, not the movie. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm talking when I say biopic, like just some sort of like you know, fictional autobiographical film they might do down oh, after yeah. he's 
yeah. passed away or whatever, you know, and, um, and it's got everything, Chris, you know, um, I mean, it was just like, I, I was probably, I think I was in college when, um, um, you know, Tiger Woods was just great role model and turned scandalous uh, a little bit, um, you know, and then got through it, had some issues with, um, with of course his back, back, I believe in substance issues and then was able to make a comeback. And now this it's, I, it's got everything. I, and so, um, you know, I, I'm hoping he recovers and I'm hoping the leg injuries aren't going to be an impediment to his career, but, um, um, you know, we'll see how, we'll see how, um, we'll see what the next chapter has for him. Well, he had that car, car wreck a couple years ago in front of his house where there's an allegation, you know, was intoxicated. There was, I, I think his wife or girlfriend at the time was chasing him with a golf club. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Um, what else is going on? Uh, but the comeback that he had was amazing. I, I mean, he came back, he won the 2019 Masters, and he came from, I mean, he saw his career was done a couple of years ago. And then he had a couple of nice moments. There was, I'm not a golf fan. I got some friends that live a brief golf day. If they were on here today, I could probably tell you hours and stories about Tiger Woods. But I didn't watch it, but there was some father-son, like family golf tournaments on TV a couple of weeks back where he actually played with his son. And his son played good. I mean, I, I think his son wasn't a team, maybe like a pre-team, maybe like 10 or 11. He was a little guy, but he was, yeah, great swing. It was amazing. Um, and then actually Sunday, it was funny. He was actually on the CBS telecast, and he was talking about the Masters, and they asked him during the telecast, because he's had a back surgery, I think, in the past couple months, uh, because there was a back problem that came up after the Masters. And they're like, oh, you're coming back for the Masters this year. He's like, I, I really don't know. And sadly, after the crash yesterday, again, I don't want to project. I'm not a doctor. I, I got a hard time believing he's going to be playing the Masters this year uh, with his injuries. And we just hope he comes back. So. I'll right? say the L.A. Oh, yeah. deputy said um, no sign of impairment when uh, from they didn't see uh, from him when they got to got to his vehicle. He seemed lucid and know his name and just wasn't able to stand or they had to use a hatch to get out of his car. So take that for what it is for now. From that area. And I, I've been in California once in my life and I wasn't in that particular area, but I guess it was like a very hilly windy road. And they say traditionally, and again, this isn't a, Hey, he was impaired. It just, people often take that road a little faster than they should. And I, no one's saying this for sure, but I think it may have been just he was going too fast on the road, and you know he lost control. You know, and that's what happened. Uh, kind of sad. I think the other driver was okay, but there was a driver that stopped by to help. They didn't know it was Tiger Woods, but it caused another wreck because he stopped to help, and somebody crashed into him. So, crazy story out there. Um, I, I don't know, Craig. I don't know if you're a big golf fan or not. Did you ever play the Tiger Woods video game? You say you yeah. played. Yeah. yeah, I have played it. Um, you know, I, I used to be probably more of a fan of golf, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Every now and then I'll watch a little bit of golf. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is a sad story. And, um, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, not just being a great player, he revolutionized 
golf as we know it, whether it's, you know, being a black man playing golf, he was able to play at Augusta National, which was an exclusive club where the Masters is held every year that black people were not allowed to play at. And he, you know, here he is a black man, you know, playing on that course and dominating year after year after year. Um, so he revolutionized, you know, the way people think about golf and the way people play golf. I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people just want to, you know, hit the driver off the tee as hard as they can, just like Tiger Woods. And, you know, he really, you know, modernized, I think, in, in some ways, the game of golf and and made it, you know, fun to watch golf and made it interesting to watch golf. And, you know, even if you weren't a golf fan, there'd be times where you'd probably tune in on Sunday to see Tiger in his red, you know, shirt going after a championship or maybe holding off challengers to win a championship. And, you know, obviously he, you know, he's, it's not, he's not without scandal. He's not without a little bit of pause with some of the things he's done in his life, but, you know, hopefully he re recovers. He's only 45. So you hope that maybe there's a chance he can come back. Um, not likely going to be for the masters this year, but uh, you know, he is only three majors away from Jack Nicholas and, He's, you know, tied for the all-time lead in, in number of PGA Tour wins with 82. So he certainly has an opportunity to, uh, to you know, everything's kind of still in front of him. But obviously, like Brandon said, you know, this is a, a very cinematic life that he's lived where it's, you know, it writes itself. And with all the struggles he's had, it'll be inter interesting to see if he can come back and, and just even play golf again. Well, it, yeah, he has demons and the back surgeries. I, I mean, good night. He came really, really close to being tying Jack Nicholas now, and he's lost a couple seasons of his career because of back injuries. I, again, I'm not a golf fan. I remember those. I, I can't remember what the tournament was. It might be a match play tournament, but like he was playing some professional, and the guy pretty much was looking at the camera saying, "I don't know what to do." It was like Tiger was hitting all these great shots, and I, I don't know. I I like that about sports. And that's why I've always liked like guys like LeBron James, where you have a professional that is so good of a professional to look at going, holy crap, I don't know what to do. You know, this guy's just way too freaking good. And, and that's what made watching Tiger so much fun. I like Jack Nicholas as a kid, as a golfer, but by then, Jack was past his prime. I, I remember, I think it was 11. <clears throat> the last major Jack one was in, in the Masters in 86. And it was... A thrill for me to watch that. But again, that was when Jack was older, and it was when Jack was prime Jack. So, so very, very good. And again, the best best wishes to Tiger. We hope nothing but the best. But guys, I'm surprised we are not golf fans, and this is probably the longest we've talked about golf ever in the history of the Ohioan World of Pew and any other podcast with Doug Brandon. And, and I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying, hey, it tells you how much Tiger means to society when he showed it doesn't talk about golf, can talk about golf as well because of that. Hey, let's close with some funny stories because I, I'm a little depressed now with the Tiger thing. Um, Southern California, there, there's a woman there. Uh, obviously, everything's a little bit slower because of COVID. Uh, she was sharing her experience. Um, she went to get her driver's license, and we've all done that. I think I forgot to um, renew my driver's license last year, and I remember having to go in March. And right when this pandemic was first starting, it freaked me out because we didn't know how bad it was going to be. I was lying forever. So this lady was lying forever. She was saying, man, it was tough. You know, you want to keep your mask on. She goes up to the window or, or the place where you get your picture taken, 
and she forgets to take her mask off. Well, you know, they're busy, they click the picture, and she goes up to them and says, hey, you know, I forgot to take my mask off. You probably want a picture that sees my face. This is identification. And they fix it, but they end up giving her the wrong picture. So her driver's license has her with a mask on. I mean, hey, it's COVID. We're busy. Hey, we make mistakes at work. I mean, I'm not going to fillet the driver's license, but I thought that was kind of wild, Brandon. What do you think? Yeah, um, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm kind of tired at this hour. Um, go to Craig real quick, and I'll think of something. Okay. You know, I, I kind of wonder, like, if she gets pulled over, like, let's say she gets pulled over and she's not wearing her mask, does she need to put her mask on or that specific mask on to, like, show, like, hey, this is me. I didn't steal this person's car. This is actually who I am. I mean... It's kind of funny, but I also kind of wonder if this is, you know, probably something that could be fixed, like, within five minutes to send her the other one, or if she needs to take another, you know, photo or whatever, just go back and do it, because I, I just find it hard to believe that this is an acceptable, you know, thing when, you know, you're talking about identification, and, and normally that means seeing someone's face, you know, I just, I kind of feel like this is more of a hey, let's make some news kind of thing. I'm not, you know, claiming, you know, claiming anything against her. It's just, you know, I'm sure she could get the other one if there is that other one that does exist, or she could go back in and, you know, get a photo of just her face. Well, we're in the business, and not everybody's like this, but for me, man, if I'm, I'm a reporter, I mean, I don't write that much the whole thing and what I work at, but, man, if I was writing stories, these are the fun stories I like to write. I mean, I won't write goofy stories like this. You know, I'm not writing the murder stories. I won't write about the lady who gets the wrong driver's license. And maybe that's why I'm not as good of a reporter, but I love I love goofy, weird stories like this. So. I, don't. I, I want to, uh, I want to, I want, I want, I'd rather this story would have caught her like she just didn't change it at all. You know, just like she's yeah, driving she can... and gets pulled over. <clears throat> and then the cop, and she's wearing a different mask. <laughs> Officer <laughs> says, you don't look like anything in your photo. And she's like, oh, wait one moment takes off her mask, puts the, the original one on. He's like, okay, much better. Well, I think the broader point we can make okay. out of this is, what, is there any other time for life? Because, sadly, I think we're going to be wearing masks, even after COVID goes away. We're going to be wearing masks for a while. It's not like we're going to have this big announcement, COVID's gone! Take your mask off and burn them! You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I think we're still going to be wearing masks to be safe for a little bit, even after COVID goes away. Well, is there any other things that you can have somebody else wear a mask that might trick people into believing it's you? Like, okay, we all have, you know, body types, we all have our own voices and everything, but I'm wondering if, like, you're going back to the office, could you have somebody else wear a mask if you don't feel like going to work that day? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is there any situations in life where you could just have maybe a higher body double, you know, find somebody that looks just like you, and I, I don't know if it would work at work or where else could you send somebody and they're like, oh, it's Brandon, you know what I mean? Maybe the doctor. Send, like, I don't want to go to the doctor's appointment, so fill in for me or something. Yeah. I don't know, you know. That would be tough, though, if your body double had cancer or something. It would be kind of awkward. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry you have cancer. You're like, oh, that's my body double. It's all, it's all good. You know, if this lady chooses to, to keep the driver's license, which is fine, I guess, you know, they said she can if she wants to for the next five years. But, you know, I guess that would mean that she can never get her hair done or colored or, you know, whatever, yeah. or maybe her eyebrows done in a different way or like, you know, I don't know. It's just like I, I would think that you would just want to go back and, and maybe she would, you know, just say, hey, can you send me the other one if you have it or. Is there a way to, you know, save your save the photo that you took of me without the mask and send that to me or something? I would just think it'd be easier. I, I, used to, I think she can go back and get it done for free. Just say, oh yeah, yeah, came in to charge her. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be the story probably then if, if they charge Go her. Governor, Governor Newsom's like, this is <clears throat> telling everyone. I mean, guys, get everyone with the mask on, and then we'll double fees. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you have to get yeah. two drivers. You, you have to all get driver's license for your mask. Yeah. This is how we'll pay for roads since no one's driving. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, we're doing this. We don't have to do this in mask. We're obviously apart from each other. I, I, I think it's funny, though, because if you think back to when the pandemic started, like when you walk in the store, you're like, man, this looks weird, everyone having masks on. You think, you know, think back to the past. If someone comes in with a mask on, you're like, oh, crap, they're robbing the store. <laughs> it's going to be weird when this thing eventually gets over. It get eventually. I'm not saying COVID's done right now. Wear your mask. But, like, in the next year or two, when it's over and we stop wearing masks, it's going to be weird seeing everyone's face again. That's going to it be will. awkward. Yeah. It's going to be strange. I, I don't know. Very strange. Well, and let me end up with this. I thought this was kind of unique, too. Uh, there's a Toronto restaurant. If we knew about this a couple weeks ago, we could have asked Greg Morton about this. They're naming their menu after office supplies so you can expense your meal, which I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so they have a fortune burger, and I'm assuming that's what's pictured in this article here. They're renaming it the basic steel stapler, and the palm fries are now going to be known as the CPU wireless mouse. I, I, I'm stunned that they're writing a story about this, and the restaurant's going with it. Isn't that a major tax violation? <laughs> I mean, it's candy. Well, I, I mean, who's expensing it though? The when you're, for your taxes or for your uh, or for your boss, your your employer? That's what I was curious about. I didn't get a chance to look at the story. Well, I'm guessing if, like, say we worked in downtown Toronto and. Brandon, we're like, hey, we're gonna we need we're gonna go take lunch and we're gonna go eat. If we're just going to talk, we're not doing any business there. You know, obviously you have to pay for your lunch. So I, I guess they're saying that you can use that to expense it. So if you order the fries and a burger, you just go back, take it to HR and say, Hey, here's my I bought a stapler, I bought a mouse, you know? You know, I need that money back. Well, couple things on this, I think. One, people are going to probably notice that you've expensed a certain amount of money that, and then where, where are the supplies first and foremost? Now, a bigger, a bigger company, maybe it might be harder to, to catch, but I think the second thing is if you, if you're, you know, submitting like a receipt, which meant you may be paid with a credit card or whatever, or just you give them a, a bill or something, I mean, I would imagine they'd be able to track it back to this restaurant is the, you know, is, 
you know, ran the card or, you know, that it would maybe see the address and it could track the address to see if, you know, like a bunch of people start doing this or whatever, you know. So I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's kind of a fun little gimmick, but I think it will probably fold itself up pretty quickly here. It's, well, it was like a nice idea that lasted a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hard. Like, I have a wireless mouse I use for my work laptop. And I'm, I'm, it drops. I'm hard on it, you know. But even if I'm hard on it, I replace it maybe once a year. And so if I'm starting to replace it every day, then obviously people are going to be like, why are you replacing your mouse every day? You don't need to buy a mouse every day that you're working. Yeah. So that would be that kind of difficult. Well, I'm kind of wondering, and like I said, it's Canada. I don't know what the Canada IRS is called, and I'm sure there's something up there for that. But the other thing, too, is, is it is it a, do you break the law if you offer that service, or are you breaking the law if you take advantage of that service? I would say it's more of a, you know, I'm not a Canadian law expert, so right. Canadians know. I think Canadians would kind of not be thrilled with this kind of thing, though. Uh, and really, I mean, Canadian tax system compared to Americans is not, it's probably, probably better. So I don't even know why that we the Canadians need to do this kind of fun little dilly dance around it. But, um, well, like you guys are saying, they were having fun with it. I mean, I, yeah. I'm going to be the dumbest company in the world if they're, if they're sitting there, you know, like going, oh, you buy mouse every day. Oh, oh well, here you go. Yeah. Well, Wow, you you bought three three staplers and three mouses. Did you really need that? Yeah. Well, yeah, somebody like me once or three hamburgers at a time, not just one. It, it does it does look like it's only available for a limited time. So, I think they probably know this is not the longevity of this is just not there. So it looks like it's just going to be available now. Who knows what limited time means? But you know, I think yeah, it's going to be hard. It's a hard sell to you know. Because then people are going to be, well, where are all these staplers that you've bought, or where are all these, you know, you know, mice that you've bought? You know, it just this is not this is a gimmick to get some interest into this restaurant, which I'm sure that it has. Have people taken advantage of it? I don't know. I doubt it. I think it's just a, you know, it's just a marketing ploy, and it probably worked a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's not going to. You're going to forget about this in two months, probably. What would be brilliant if they change it every week or every day? <laughs> then now you got a Phil, good skin going. You know, it's a Feel bad for Patricia and HR and some Canadian company up there. She sends out a nice, polite memo to all the companies. Hey, folks, um, Brad over over in uh, Legal found a, a great place to get staplers for, um, you know, four Canadian bucks. Uh, you know, head over there if you need to get supplies. <laughs> it's like yeah. have a nice day. Either that, oh, or they've like bought too many staplers. Like, why do we have five thousand staplers now? We don't need that many staplers. And where are they? <laughs> There's got to be somebody that got fooled by this. You know what I mean? And you know, the story is done tongue in cheek, and the restaurant owners are doing it tongue in cheek. And I understand that. You know, maybe you get over once on your company, but if you go over once, it's twenty bucks, and you know, oftentimes. There are times where you can expense a meal. If you're a management, you can expense a meal where you're probably not even talking about what that much. So it's kind of no harm, no foul. But there's got to be some company that got full buckets, you would think, right? I mean, we've I'm all, sure. 
we've all worked at goofy places and i'm sure we're not going to name them <laughs> publicly online but i'm sure we can each identify a couple places that we fooled by <laughs> a trick like this right any companies brand you've worked for before <laughs> you identify? i'm kidding no worries so all right uh, what any comp what was the question i wasn't really oh you said no, so fast I, i'm like I, I, I felt awkward. Any companies that you once worked for that will fall in for a scam like this? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I pro probably... <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble with you, Chris. Yeah, yeah that's why I was laughing. <laughs> Don't reveal the companies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just... I, <guess> so. <laughs> I can name uh... some, but hey, I, I want to be nice. Oh, hey, all the companies I used to work for are all really great. And, hey, maybe I'll go back to some. No, I feel awkward. I should have asked that question. Strike that. We'll, we'll delete that from the file pocket. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's what we got today. Um, you know, like we said before, um, check our other podcasts today. Um, again, Max Philby from the Columbus Dispatch, Jake Zuckerman from the Ohio Capital Journal. Uh, support our sponsors as I cover Brandon up for a second. Uh, Chase Bank and um, also... The Manly Man Company and Dropbox. Um, yeah, check them out. And we hope they add more sponsors soon. It just it, it, Stay tuned. I, I put it that way. And then subscribe to us online. Share us. Um, again, we're excited to see the growth we've had. Keep sharing what we're doing. And, you know, we're excited to keep bringing it. Uh, got a bunch of other guests uh, coming later in the week. Um, Susan Tebbin from Ohio Capital. We haven't had her on yet. She's going to be talking a little bit about education. Uh, Danny King. Um, honestly, I'm trying to figure out, you know how in Saturday Night Live they have like the five-timers club where they say, you've been on a couple times. I think this is Danny's fourth appearance. So we're always excited to have Danny back. And she may have that mark for the most frequent guests on our podcast. How about that? I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't tell Danny. She's probably like, oh, my goodness, I've done this too much. I'm out, you know, but no, no it's always fun to have Danny on. And, uh, yeah, a couple of our guests, uh, we'll kind of keep that hidden until later in the week where we can talk more about that. Anything else going on, guys? Any any projects you want to drop or any, any big news uh, that's coming up? No. Fantastic. Um, yeah, stay tuned this week. Uh, as always, support local journalism. Um, busy day in Clyde. It's been a very busy um, month in the last couple months for News in Ohio. Um, yeah, Akrobeka Journal, Columbus Match, Insane Choir. Right now they're offering for a buck for three months. So take advantage of those deals. It helps keep journalists like me and Craig employed. And it's always a good thing. So very good. Well, I think we're going to. We're going to close up shop for now. So, um, for Brandon and Craig, if this is Chris, thanks for checking out the Highland. We'll be back um, tomorrow. Have a great day.